And as I said, we will have tonight, as well as this morning, the great privilege of hearing from Andrew Scarborough. Many of us would know him. He's been with us a couple of times. In fact, he was here last week, wasn't it? Feels like an eternity. <laughs> last week with the National Day of Prayer and Fasting, he was hosting that and also um, hung out with our youth group, preached up a storm there. Certainly my kids loved it. Um, and again, this, this happened last time too, but they said afterwards, after hearing Andrew preach, they said, and, uh, said to me, Andrew, they said, Dad, uh, we loved hearing Andrew and we just had to let you know that his jokes are much funnier than yours. So there's a, there's a little bit of pastoral ministry that's required there. But we won't hold it against Andrew. He is just a wonderful guy. We love his heart. He's come back from six months doing a, a mission school and preaching throughout Africa and seeing, I don't even know the numbers, hundreds of thousands, millions of uh, commitments in, um, in that space. So would you join me in welcoming this morning, and he'll be back tonight, Andrew Scarborough. Oh, thank you very much. It's good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, I'm good. I think I'm good. I said, uh, I need a lighter, I need a jar, I need a glass. My, my props for today, you know. What's a... Okay, let's pray. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Have your way. Yeah, we just thank you, God, that you're in this space. We thank you that you, your heart is for us. We thank you, Lord God, that you are the way maker. We thank you, Lord God, that you are moving. And we pray today that you would remind us of your goodness. You'd remind us of your mercy. And maybe if we're here today and we don't yet know you, that you would call us home, that you'd call us back into relationship with you. We thank you, Lord God, that you are on the move. And we just declare that Australia shall be saved. We declare that Canberra shall see a great revival, a move of the Holy Spirit in this city and across our nation, and that this great south land of the Holy Spirit would send missionaries all over our land once again and all over the world, indeed, in Jesus' name. So we thank you, Lord God, for what you're going to do today. We pray that you'd open our ears, open our hearts to receive everything that you want to pour out in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's a real joy to be here. I was telling my wife as we drove up, uh, so I'm from Melbourne, so we left home at about 5.30 in the morning, and my dear wife, she's, uh, she's a hero to me. Hello, Jamie, good to see you, and good to see a few familiar faces. Um, I said, I just love vision. I just love this church. I said, it's, I'm so looking forward to being back at Vision. Um, there are some churches that we minister at that we minister at regularly. And it seems to just something happens where we come back again and again and again. I think the first time I ministered here, you said, you'll be back. <laughs> and I'm so glad I am. And I really believe that this is an incredible church and that God has wonderful things for this space so I would encourage you, if you're maybe checking it out, maybe you're visiting, this church has got my endorsement, I'll tell you what. I think Vision is an incredible community. I think it's no accident that you're in this building. I believe this building was earmarked, this particular location, by the Lord for the kingdom and for great things. And uh, I want to encourage you, Adam and Andrew and the rest of the team, I was sharing with Adam last weekend, I really believe your faithfulness to the Lord over this last season, he's really seen it. 
and uh, for you as a, as a team and as a church, just to be expectant for him to move. I really believe the Lord wants to move in significant ways in our nation. Someone asked me, um, I, I, I honestly can't remember who, but recently, um, I think it was a... Anyway, I won't even try. I've been up since five in the morning. Someone asked me in some sort of interview setting, they said, tell me, where are the significant moves of God in Australia right now? And I went... But what I said is, I can't actually point to specific, you know, where you're seeing like tens of people getting baptised every week or hundreds of people. But I said, what I can tell you is there's a rumbling. There's a stirring. Something's beginning to shift. And I know in our church uh, in Melbourne, we will worship for an hour and everyone will say, why did it finish? We needed to keep going. Um, We've been doing these revive nights and people are coming from all over. Uh, we're seeing people get saved on the streets. We're seeing people, um, gangs, invite our church members, come round the back of the building. That's where the others are, you know. They come round. You've got to pray for them too. And we're seeing um, rumblings of revival in Melbourne. So I greet you from Melbourne and I tell you, you're not alone in your desire and your pursuit for everything that the kingdom has to offer. Uh, Andrew uh, mentioned that I've just come back from America. I was with Orlando. I actually serve with a ministry now called Christ for All Nations. So uh, you may have heard of Reinhard Bonnke or evangelist uh, Daniel Kalenda. And so my role is to help oversee their network of evangelists, make sure they're doing healthy and they're getting out there. We've got evangelists in Poland at the moment um, ministering to the Ukrainian refugees. They're seeing people get saved. Every single day as they come across the border, a whole family just gave their lives to the Lord while sitting in their car trying to get across the border. Um, We uh, have missionaries, evangelists right now in Rwanda. They've been going preaching to this next generation. And over the last month, they've seen 500,000 decisions for Jesus. That's documented decisions for Jesus in the nation of Rwanda um, all through uh, amongst the youth which is very special. Um, in Nigeria, where I just was, we saw we were a team of 80 and we would go out in marketplaces and schools and villages and we saw as a team of 80, 239,000 decisions for Jesus. Then we held the big crusade and we saw over 700,000 decisions for Jesus. We can get excited about that. And, you, got, you know, sometimes we look at those numbers and we go, no, oh, no, it's too good to be true, it's I saw the Muslims take their hijabs off at the altar call. I saw the village chief say, Sir, I'm 86. It's time I give my life to the Lord. As a whole Muslim village got saved like that, that we found on Google Earth and trekked into and just hoped they'd let us preach. I'm telling you right now, God is on the move. And I want to encourage you not to settle for anything less then your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven because God has got great things for us. You see, a lot of us, we live our Christianity like this. If you can see this here, we say, oh, Lord, it'd be wonderful if, uh, you know, my wife and I could just have a good week and if you could just bless our marriage, that would be great. Um, No fighting, that would be really good. That would be a win. Um, 
Lord, it would be really good if the service goes well today. We're under an hour and a half and I get out to lunch. That would be great. I'd really appreciate that. Lord, um, if you're not too busy, I'd like a miracle. I'm pretty sick at the moment. But if you're too busy, it's all good. I know you've got a lot on at the moment. Um, Lord, and we come to God and we live on this drip feed of who he is. And yet God would say, I want it like that. Whoa. I did not expect that. Wow. So that's the first time that's happened. And I didn't do it on purpose. I love this new building. I really like this new carpet. It's wonderful. Oh, dear. So we either continue to make a joke or we go prophetic. Where do I go with this one? What do you think? I'd say he wants to crack it wide open. That's what I reckon. I reckon he goes, mate, don't even put me in a container. I want to burst out. But you understand the illustration. We're meant to be in him and he in us and the fullness of God just exploding (laughs) everywhere. It's not meant to be a drip feed. It's the real deal. It's the whole hog. It's all in or nothing. It's revival or die. Um, Maybe we'll get this taken away just so I don't uh, cut myself. Is that all right? I'm... uh, Wow, there we go. Hallelujah. Oh. You got the overflow. But do you hear what I'm saying? So often we live our Christianity in such a way where we're just satisfied with just a drip feed. And he's going, no, 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 no. It says in in, uh, 1 John, it says, as he is being Jesus, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. When we should never be satisfied with a sinner consciousness and a sin mentality and and being stuck in addiction and and stuck in, in challenges and, oh, well, the doctors said and, well, the psychologists said, we should say, no, 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 no. If Jesus didn't have an anxiety problem, I shouldn't have an anxiety problem. If Jesus didn't suffer from depression, I shouldn't suffer from depression. Now, I know those things are real, But I know that he is even greater. That greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I'm in him and he's in me. Therefore, I'm an overcomer. Therefore, I can see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And I want to encourage you to lift your eyes. While I was in America, I spent time with a dear lady. Her name's Jerry Hill. Now, Jerry Hill is the widow of a gentleman by the name of Stephen Hill. Some of you may have heard of the Brownsville Revival. The Brownsville Revival started like tonight's going to be. It was just a revival meeting. It was a a time to gather together. It was Father's Day. Let's celebrate the dads. Let's guest preacher Stephen Hill. Here he comes. He's going to preach the gospel. And this guest preacher came and he preached and he preached and he preached for five years. The glory of God was poured out in a small church, not that much larger than this church, add in some balconies, and that was the setting of this great revival. Millions of people flew in from all around the world, and tens of thousands of people got saved over the period of five years. And I spoke to Jerry, and she said, you know, we couldn't have planned it. 
We couldn't have, you know, but we were hungry and we were disturbable. And sometimes I think we just got to turn up the hunger and turn up the disturbability. You know, Lord, I want you to save my city, but I'm not going to talk to anyone in it. So just save my city, but don't tap on my shoulder. Oh, Lord, I want to see a move of the Holy Spirit, but I'm not giving you any extra time because my mornings are sacred. My mornings are my appointment with my pillow, and you're not taking them. Lord, I want to... But I'm telling you, he wants to rest in this place. He wants to rest in your life. He wants to move in such an incredible way. The question is, will we lean in to what God wants to do? Will you lean in to what God wants to do? Even today, there are people here and God's going to be knocking on the door of your heart. He's going to be saying, jump in, give your life to me. I want everything, no holding back. And you have to answer the question, will I let him in? Will I let him have full control? He actually is such a gentleman. He's got such grace and it goes for your lifetime. But when your lifetime's gone, it's gone. Grace doesn't go past your death date. You've got one lifetime to give it all to him. I was... uh, Recently, when I was in uh, Orlando, I talked with a gentleman, and uh, he had been 35 years in prison. I didn't know that. He just came to our outreach for a free hot dog and said he didn't want to stay for the sermon. He just wanted the hot dog. Thank you very much. And I looked him in the eyes, and I said, where are you at with the Lord? He said, oh, my, my, my mum was a, you know, a believer. I said, okay, that's great. Where are you at with the Lord? Well, my sister's a pastor. No, no, that's great. Where are you at with the Lord? And he just grabbed me and he hugged me and he wept and he wept and he said, I've got to repent. I've got to repent. He came to our house for dinner. He said, I thought I could fix everything with these, but I've realized I've got to let him in. I can't keep living life by these. He got back together with his wife. He got baptized while I was in Nigeria, and now he wants to go and preach the gospel himself. When I was in Nigeria, there was a lady who came to listen to us preach at a market. I guess she didn't have a choice. She was at the market, and we came to the market, set up our big truck, and started preaching the gospel. And uh, she listened intently, and then she responded to, to the call for salvation. And I was like, oh, praise the Lord. But that morning I'd woken up and I said to the Lord, I said, God, I'd really like to see the dead raised. That'd be pretty cool. I'd like to see some dead people come back to life. We'd seen people that were blind for 12 years or more, their eyes open as we prayed. We saw a gentleman who was deaf since birth begin to hear. We'd seen such incredible miracles. I said, oh, how about we do the dead raised thing? That'd be, that'd be special. The Bible says that we should... Uh, raising the dead, so I was like, okay, I'm, I want that, I'm down. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, you receive without paying, give without pay. I'm like, okay, let's go. Anyway, this lady, 
She responded to the call of salvation. Then we prayed, every dead body under the sound of my voice, I command you to come back to life in Jesus' name. And she said the baby that had not moved in her womb for three days, that she'd felt move every single day up until three days before her just randomly going to the market, began to kick and punch and do somersaults. And she testified. She said, my baby's alive. My baby's alive. And I don't know where you've set the bar for the Lord, but I just wonder whether he's saying a little bit higher, thanks. Because we want to give him glory. We want to tell of his majesty, tell of his miracles. So why would we settle for something ordinary when he is calling us into the miraculous, when he's saying, let me bust open the bottom, let me just... Pour out my spirit. Why would we settle? Often it's because we don't actually believe we've got anything to work with. Two Kings, chapter 4, tells an incredible story. There's a lady and her husband has died. She had some children and she had a debt. Her husband actually had a debt with some people. And so the people who the husband owed money to, now he couldn't pay because he was dead. That all of a sudden, they said, oh, we're going to take the children as payment. These children will become our slaves. We're going to take them off you, dear lady, because that debt still needs to be paid. Well, understandably, this lady is freaking out. I mean, can you imagine the mother's heart? I've been watching the news of these women in Poland. It's somewhere I'm seriously praying. I'm asking the Lord because we've got a team there. Do I head over there? I want to I get over there. I want to bless these women. And I think of this mother's heart that's like, oh, my child, my child. My children are going to be taken away. And so she, she cries out to a man of God, Elisha. She says, Elisha, you've got to help me. What are we going to do? Elisha says, well... What do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? What do you have? The reply comes, nothing. I've got nothing. Except for some oil. Well, Elijah says, you better grab the neighbours. You better get some containers. As Jesus says, He pours out his spirit without measure. Oil represents the spirit of God. She says, I've got nothing, but I've got oil. I've got the spirit of God. I mean, maybe. Elisha says, oh, get the containers. Grab all your neighbors. And they begin to pour the oil into the first container. From from what she had, it was poured out and it began to overflow. And then another container came and that one was filled to overflowing. Then another container came, that one was filled to... And eventually, the prophet says, more containers. Oh, sorry, we're out of containers. And that's when the oil stopped. Not when the oil ran out, when the faith ran out. Not when the oil, when the vessels ran out. That's when the oil stopped. And then... It says here, well, when the vessels were full, 
She said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there's not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God. And he said, go and sell the oil and pay your debts. And you and your sons can live on the rest. You see how God is a God of abundance. He wants to give enough to pay our debts. Oh, he paid our debts on the cross. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty of our sin. But he didn't just die on the cross to pay the penalty of our sin. He paid for us and for our sons. He paid for more, the more, the more. And so many of us think he just died and went to heaven. But he died, he rose again, and then he said, wait. Wait for me. Wait for my spirit. I'm going to pour out my spirit. Would you wait? And they waited in the upper room. And the Holy Spirit was poured out. And I want to encourage you today that the spirit of God is available to you. To be poured out so that everyone around you would say, What happened to you? What happened to you in your living room? What happened to you at Vision Church? Are you drunk? What is going on? Oh, no, I'm not drunk. But I have drunk. I have drunk my fill of the oil. And the Holy Spirit has changed my whole life. Do you have a story of freedom, of redemption, of power, of miracles? Because if you don't, you can have one. Let me tell you my story. Oh, you will be able to say you have drunk. Don't you bring God nothing because your nothing is never nothing. It is always nothing plus the Spirit of God. And nothing plus the Spirit of God is more than enough. Nothing plus the Spirit of God is more than enough. Many of you may be familiar with a passage in Matthew 25 that speaks of a wedding. And there's this wedding, see back in the day, I love that there's a wedding coming up, hallelujah, love, marriage, it's such a beautiful thing. I've been married now for 12 years, my wife is my hero, I just, I literally could not be more in love, but I said that last week, and so hopefully, you know, it's just, uh, anyway, I don't, I'm getting all sappy, soppy, whatever, I stop, okay. But there's a wedding, and there are though there are people that have been invited to the wedding. And here in uh, modern-day Australia, in, in the West at least, um, you, bring, you would usually have an invitation to a wedding. Well, the invitation to a wedding back in Jesus' day was a lamp. And so you would bring your lamp filled with oil, and that's how you knew who was coming to the wedding and who wasn't, because they'd all come down. Can you picture it, how beautiful it would be? Everyone would come down from their houses, down from the hills, to where the wedding was, and they'd all be carrying their lamp. And that's how you knew who was going to a wedding. Well, in this story in Matthew 25, it's a parable. And in the story, we see that there are people that have oil in their lamp. This is not going to explode, don't you worry. Oh, my goodness. Oh, just. There are people that have oil in their lamp, and there are people that have none. They run out. And when the bridegroom comes, 
The people without oil go to the people with oil and say, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. And the people with oil say, it doesn't work like that. You have to go to the oil sellers. You have to go to the source. And the Lord wants to set you ablaze today. You're not here by accident. You didn't walk through the doors. You're not watching online by accident. The Lord wants to set you ablaze. But he would say, are you willing to go to the one that sells oil? This is you and him. This is where are you at with the Lord? And you can't hide behind your mum. You can't hide behind your sister. You know between you and the Holy Spirit where you are at. And if you are empty, your shell will be exposed. But if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, if you cried out on the name of Jesus and you said, Holy Spirit, come, fill me, take control. I'm yours. Oh my. On that great day when Jesus returns, you will say, here I am, burning bright, ready to enter in. You see, those without oil didn't get to go into that wedding feast, which we know represents that great meeting we'll have when we come back to, to be with Jesus. They, the ones without oil didn't get to go in, but the ones with oil, oh, they got to enter in. Now, please don't hear me say, if you're having a, a bad day, if things are a little dry, if you're, if you're feeling a little challenged, which who isn't? It's 2022, I mean, that somehow you're not saved. That's not what I'm saying. But I do believe that the Lord would say to you, if you are saved, if you actually have confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart, I believe the Lord would say to you, it's time to fill up again. Yeah. It's time to top up. I want you to burn because as your pastor has so perfectly put it, we're in desperate times. We're in, we're in like, I mean, you couldn't have, or you could, I pray we don't have it, but we probably will. How could you have more shaking? I mean, from threats of nuclear war to pandemics to floods, I mean, our world is being shaken. And we can't sit back and say, thank you, Lord. Yes, that's enough. Yes, I've had my sip. Thank you. We have to jump in. We have to get all in and say, Lord, here I am. Send me. Where do you want me to go? Oh, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. That's okay. He'll reach down from heaven. He'll take away your sin and he'll send you out. Some of you have written yourselves off, I tell you. You think that God's done with you. You've stuffed up too many times. You've slept with this person. You've slept with that person. You've made too many mistakes. I'm telling you, if you will just bring your empty vessels, he will pour out his spirit on you. He is so gracious. He is so merciful. He is so wonderful. I mean, if we could marvel at his grace, if we could just look at his face, if we could look at the love of God, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for you when you had it cleaned up. You had it all together. He said, right now, even now, I died for you. It's just so good.
We okay? Can I give you three things that I think could help? Because really, if I had a title for my message, it would be Steward the Oil. And three things that I know are going to help. Number one is time. You've got to give him time. You've got to give him time. Pray without ceasing. You've got to give him time. One of the best things I've ever done is started to set my alarm uh, for an hour before I need to do anything. I've got three young children. Uh, When I was in Nigeria and in America, I did two hours before. So I had to leave at 6 a.m. So I was up at 4 a.m. every morning. And it was the most glorious time of my life. I'm about to enter into a 40-day fast. I don't say that to say, woohoo, look at me. I say that to say I'm so hungry for him. I just love him so much. And the best thing I've done, I would say literally like for my relationship with the Lord over the last 30 years, or I think I got saved at seven, so 28 years, in the back of a Kingswood. My dad's driving pushed me over the edge and I got saved <laughs> seven years of age in the back of that car is to give him time he wants your time he wants your time and it's not an obligation it's an invitation I'm not here to guilt you, I'm here to inspire you that when I sit with him and he, he, he shares he shares his heart with me it's a great I mean, I go to bed, I say, Lord, I can't wait to wake up in the morning. Like, I just want to hang out with him. He's so good. Oh, oh, thank you for the tissues. Hallelujah. He's so good. Give him time. That's the first thing. You take notes. Please take notes in church. You forget like 95% of what you hear unless you take notes. Number one, I'd say give him time. Number two, I'd say give him full access. Full access. Some of us, we struggle with things. But we struggle with these things because we haven't actually given him full access. There's a story of a a man. He had a big mansion, 10 houses. and He was, sorry, 10 rooms in his house. He was lying down in bed one night. He heard this knock on the door. Oh, who's at the door? He opens the door and it's the devil. He goes, I'm coming in. And he comes in, he starts bashing this guy. He's smashing him with temptation, pornography and lust and lies and cheating and dishonesty and exaggeration. And he's just smashing this guy. Oh, the guy wakes up in the morning. He says, oh, oh, what a night, what a night. Oh, who's going to save me? And then another knock on the door. Oh, who could it be? It's Jesus. He's so excited. He goes, oh, Jesus, finally you're here. I had the worst night last night. Can you come in? I've got a guest room in the back corner of the house. If you could stay in that room, and if the devil comes by, just give us a hand. Well, that night he gets another knock on the door. Guess who it is? It's the devil. Hey, I've come back. Guy goes, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, wake up. The devil comes in and starts bashing him again. Oh, be unfaithful. Lie, give up. Give up on the goodness of God. What's wrong with you? Jesus is not coming to your rescue. Oh, morning comes around. Jesus comes downstairs. 
Bacon and eggs, thanks. Probably not bacon. I'll have some eggs and a flat white. Thank you very much. The gentleman says, Jesus, what were you doing? The devil came last night. I said, oh, sorry, mate. It's not my house. He says, I'm just staying in the guest room. Okay, Jesus, I get it. You can have all nine rooms. I keep my bedroom to myself and we've got a deal. If the devil comes around tonight, you better deal with him. Jesus! Eggs, flat white. Where were you last night? I got owned. He said, oh, sorry, mate, it's not my house. He says, all right, Jesus, I get it. He goes, here's the title to the house. All the rooms are yours. If I could sleep in one, that'd be great. Of course you can sleep in one of the rooms. Okay. That night, the man huddles in his bed, pulls up the covers. He's coming for me again. Oh, God. And then he hears. He says, oh, God, he's coming for me. And then he hears the door creak open. To the front of the house, and he just hears, Oh, sorry, wrong house. You see, Jesus had opened the door, and the devil had gone running because the devil had knocked on the wrong house. And some of us we need to give God full control. We're saying, Oh, God, I want you to, I want you to bring breakthrough in my life, but I will not give this up. Sorry, mate, not my house. Love to give you that breakthrough, but uh. Give him time. Give him full access to every area of your life. And mix your faith with obedience. Mix your faith with obedience. James chapter 2, I believe, says that... Actually, I'll read it because if I misquote this one, someone's going to write Andrew an email. James chapter 2, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? That's 2.14. Can a faith that doesn't have any works save you? Well, if you're saved, there's going to be works, so the answer would be no. Salvation will produce a good work in your life. Friends, we've got to mix our faith with obedience. Can I tell you one more story and then I'll close? Yep. You good? I said to Pastor Andrew, I said, how long do I have? He said, well, people can leave if they want to leave. So you've got full permission to leave, you need to. But I, I just, I'm just asking for five more minutes. Is that all right? Yeah. Good? I want you to keep that picture in your head if it hadn't gone so dramatically poorly, of that jar. We're in him and he's in us. When you get him, you get everything. You don't have to live off the drip. You've got it all. When you get him, you get everything. It's a lie of the devil that he's somehow withholding. He might be inviting you deeper, but he's not withholding. He doesn't go, <laughs> you can't find 
me like my kids do when we play hide and seek. But he does like I do with my wife, he does do this one and invite you to step in. He invites you to step in. He invites you to follow his lead. He's there, but are you going to lean in? Are you going to step in? Are you going to follow his lead? There's a man and he was an art collector, very famous art collector in Europe around World War II. And he would collect art with his wife. She was a a painter and he just loved her so much and so whatever she wanted, he, w- he wanted to collect the art for her. Well, she actually uh, got sick one winter and she died. But she died just after giving birth to their son. The art collector, in memory of his wife, decided that he would set up an incredible home collection of all the finest art in all of the world. And so at first he would walk around with his young son, in his arm, collecting art. And then as they grew up, they would collect together and the young boy grew a keen eye for the finest works. You name the artist and they were putting it in their mansion. He was a professor, a very wealthy man. Whatever he wanted, he could grab. So his son now is his business partner. But it's not really a business, let's be honest. It's just out of love. They're collecting art, collecting art, collecting art. And then war begins to break out in a neighbouring country and the son says, I'm going, I'm going to fight. The father says, oh no, not my son. I lost my wife, I can't lose my son. He says, I've got to fight, Dad, I've got to go. So out he goes. Anyway, they wrote to each other and they had such a beautiful friendship. But one day the letters stopped. The father wondered, what has happened to my son? Then a knock came on the door. It was a friend of the son, wounded in battle. He said, I've come here to tell you that your son is dead. He was rescuing soldiers off the battlefield and dragging them back to the field hospital, saving one after another after another, and then he grabbed me and he was dragging me back to the field hospital and as he got to the entrance of the hospital, a sniper took him out and he's dead. Oh, he meant so much to me. Your son gave his life so that I could live. Let me give you a gift. I know that you love art. I'm not a great artist, but I have drawn a portrait of your son and I'd like you to have it. The father placed the portrait up He said to his butler, who had been there from when the boy was young, he said, butler, make room. We must put the portrait of the son front and centre above the fireplace. Be gone with the Rembrandts and the Picassos and all of these others. I want the son in the middle. Well, time went on and the father's heart was filled with joy every time he looked at his son. It was tough being without his son, but seeing that picture... And remembering what his son had done brought him so much joy. Finally, the old man grew older. And as old men do, he passed away. Oh, the art world was so happy. They were so excited. 
Let's go get all those prize artworks. Let's do it. Woohoo! So the Queen sent a representative. They came from France. They came from Italy. They came from all over Europe. And even as far as China, oh, we're going to get that art. They sat down and the auctioneer began the auction. Well, thank you everyone for coming. We're so excited to be selling off everything in this estate. It's got to go today. I know you've come from far. Thank you very much. We're going to start the auction with a piece entitled The Sun. You may not have heard of The Sun, but it was precious to the owner of this vast collection. And so we're going to start the bidding at $100. $100. Can I see $100? You're wasting our time. We didn't come here for the sun. Give us the masterpiece. Give us the world. You're wasting our time. I'm sorry, but I have instructions to sell the sun before I sell anything else. $100. Anyone? $100. $100. No one. No one. $100. Could I see $50? Will anyone give $50 for the sun? At the back of the room, a hand went up. It was the butler. He'd helped raise this boy. He loved this boy. And he loved his master. He said, I knew what joy the son gave my master. I'll pay $50. I'm not a man of much wealth, but I'll give you everything I've got. Well, the auctioneer said, sold to the butler. And with that, we're concluding the auction. Sorry? A riot began to break out in the in the crowd. I, I can't go back to my queen without it. But, but, but. No, 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 I'm sorry, friends. The instructions are very clear. Whoever gets the sun takes it all. Butler, the estate is yours. And I'm here to tell you today that when you get Jesus, when you get the oil, your nothing turns into everything. Your nothing turns into an abundance. You will have more than you could ever imagine. You will do more than you could ever have dreamt of when you just get him. He is enough. He is enough.